Welcome to Blind Date with a Book, the podcast that sets you up with your literary meet cute. This is a special bonus episode. Today, we're going to be talking to author Julia Fine. She is author most recently of The Upstairs House, a an incredible 2021 novel that bridges the worlds of motherhood and horror, and I cannot wait to talk to her. Julia, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, on all of our episodes, we always ask a few silly dating app questions to help get to know our guests better. For my sort of Margaret Wise Brown inspired tattoo, uh, once I'm finally done breastfeeding. Okay, so what are you going to get? You oh, have to so, um, so my one of my favorites of her books is called The Quiet Noisy Book, um, and it's lesser known, although it recently got reissued, recently in the past like five years, um, and so it's now sort of for sale wherever her other books are sold. Um, so it, there's a line in it about a slow fig ripening. And then there's a picture that sort of looks like mistletoe. So I don't want to get that picture, but I want to get like a fig blossom inspired um, by that line, a slow fig ripening. I just think Ooh. it's so evocative. And it's- first of all, have you ever been on a blind date? I don't think I have ever been on a blind date. I met my husband in college, um, although you could sort of argue that every date in college is a blind date or every sort of, (laughs) maybe that's one night stand. No, I don't, I don't think I have. For me, I want it to, you know, be a reminder where I can look at it and think, okay, this is how to center myself. So I feel like that would be a nice one. Way to have like a deep, thoughtful answer completely off the cuff, Julia. have. So I, I guess I was pregnant already during COVID, but I have had this tattoo planned for such a long time. And I've either been nursing or pregnant and I'm still nursing. My daughter is just never going to stop. Um, <laughs> so as soon as she's done though, I'll celebrate by getting some like ink in my blood. Well, this is a perfect segue. So tell us, tell the listening audience a little bit about your book. Um, What's it about? And then we can talk more about your research and and considering that. Yeah. So um, The Upstairs House is about a brand new mom. Um, She The book opens and she's still in the hospital having just given birth to her first child. And it follows her as she comes home and is a first-time parent and struggles with that. Her husband is often gone for work and she begins to hear strange sounds in her uh, from the upstairs sort of area of her condo. Um, And it turns out that it is perhaps the ghost of Margaret Wise Brown, uh, the author of The Runaway Bunny and Goodnight Moon and The Quiet Noisy Book. Um, And so the question is sort of, is this a ghost or is she having a postpartum mood disorder or is it a little bit of both? And as the book progresses, um, Megan, the protagonist, struggles with postpartum depression and sort of everything that comes along with being a brand new mother, um, both on a practical sort of physical logistical level, but also emotionally. Uh, And she'd been working on a dissertation that she's abandoned. uh, And over the course of the book, Margaret Wise Brown's real life lover, uh, a a woman poet named Michael Strange, uh, who lived a cathartic moment, or you could call it sort of a a mental break, but it, it combines the two and the dissertation sort of effectively is haunted by these ghosts. Uh, 
So Absolutely. That, that's structurally how it works. Um, yeah, no, it to- and it totally does. And I really love novels that you leave even more curious about mm. the topic within the novel. Oh, I'm so glad you felt that way because yeah. that was my goal too. I I wanted to write about um, Margaret and Michael both because they're they're fascinating, but also because I was so shocked when I started reading, um, particularly about Margaret, since Michael is less of a household name, although perhaps now she'll become one. Um, but I was I was really surprised at how different her life was from what I would have imagined reading her books, and also at the way um, once I learned about her life and I learned her story, I read her books so differently and in a really positive way. And so, you know, my goal here is if you if you come away, even if you're not super into the upstairs house, hopefully you come away thinking, I would like to go read, you know, Margaret Weisbrand's back catalog or these biographies or these articles that are mentioned. Um, and sort of get to know who they actually were, specifically who Margaret Wise Brown actually was, as opposed to this conception I think a lot of us have that she is that, you know, old rabbit in a blue nightgown in Good Night Moon. I don't know. I thought I thought for sure, like, oh yeah, that's her. She wrote this book, you know. Uh, and she in reality was very glamorous. She died at uh in her forties, in her early forties, so she never was old. Um she was a rabbit hunter, which is fascinating to me. She was sort of a bohemian artist in Greenwich Village in the 30s. And, um, you know, she did outrageous things like buy the entire contents of a flower cart after, you know, with the money from her first advance and then didn't pay her electricity bills. Uh, and she had a cabin where she would cut off the legs of all the chairs and drape everything in her. And people would come up and be like, what have you invited us to? And she would swim naked, you know, in the ocean in Maine and just was um, really fascinating. And also, you know, she had all these quirks, but also like a lot of emotional depth that if you read uh, her biographies or her letters, you really get a sense, you know, that she she's worth knowing. Okay, I'm dying now. I'm dying for some recommendations. Yes. So okay. give us reader homework now. Um, so my favorite of her biographies is called uh, Margaret Wise Brown, Awakened by the Moon. And it's written by Leonard Marcus. And he is a scholar of sort of those, that mid-century children's lit scene. So he's also written about Ursula Nordstrom, who was um, Margaret Wise Brown's editor at Harper, in fact, which is also my publisher, uh, although a different wing of it. But Ursula Nordstrom was her editor, and Ursula Nordstrom also edited E.B. White and Maurice Sendak and all of these children's classics. Uh, so Leonard Marcus has really, he, he knows a lot about the world and what he's getting into, and it's a really carefully researched book, and it has um, a lot of interesting sort of philo- philosophical, theoretical bents to it as well. So he really looks at the scene that Margaret came up in, this new world of progressive early education that hadn't really existed until the early 20th century. Um, And so there are a lot of, you know, there's segues. If you're only interested in her, you know, this is what she did and this is where she went, this might not be the book for you. But if like me, you're really interested in how the pieces all connect together and in situating uh, Margaret and her work in this larger uh, scene and this larger, you know, picture of what children's literature was and has become. It's a really great book. Um, so I highly recommend it. I think it's from like the mid nineties, but okay. it's, you can definitely still, I think I'm pretty sure it's still in print. And if, you know, a used copy is lovely as well. So. Absolutely. 
All right. Give us another one, another uh, book that you would recommend. Another one. So an easy one. So another one that I would, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but well, no, I would recommend it if you, if you come away from the upstairs house and you're really interested in Michael Strange, um, there is not all that much second, like literature about her that doesn't, isn't just sort of a biography of Margaret or an article about Margaret. Um, she really is, appears as a secondary sort of character in Margaret Wise Brown's life for the most part, but she does have her own autobiography. Uh, oh, interesting. Called, called Who Tells Me True from I think 1920. It is out of print and hard to find. However, if you live in a like a city with a good library system, um, you know, the Chicago Public Library had it, which is where I found it. Um, and it is super interesting because it feels like you're reading sort of the version of her life that she wants to present to you. I should, I should go back a little bit to say that her relationship with Margaret Wise Brown um, was sort of toxic and on again, off again. And she was uh, significantly older than Margaret and a lot of Margaret's friends and Margaret's biographers sort of cast her as the villain in Margaret's story in terms of her influence and just, you know, the, the way they treated each other. Um, but if you take that and then you take sort of this view that um, Michael Strange gives of herself or this self-presentation in her autobiography of, you know, she's very like magnanimous and kind and a genius and, un you know, she's just misunderstood genius. And, you know, she goes through like all these things that she did, but her just her, her view of them is so different. And so I felt like, OK, to try to make a character of Michael, you know, the, the real quote unquote real truth is somewhere in between those two things. And so it was really, you know, from that perspective, it was really interesting because with Margaret, um, a lot of sort of her biographers have already tried to flesh her out as a full person. Um, you know, they look at both the good and the bad and they look at her letters and her work and they interview people about her. But with Michael, she really is just, you know, a way to get to understand Margaret. And I was interested in looking at her sort of more as her own person. Like she just couldn't be as bad as the biographers say she was. She just couldn't be, you know, but she also couldn't be, like I said, you know, as wonderful as she claims she is, or else wouldn't we all know about her other than through, um, you know, Margaret Wise Brown's biographies. So yeah, so like this combination of like the secondary and primary research was super important and putting them together and sort of pushing them against each other as well, I'm writing. And Michael just becomes such a very, I don't know how to put this, maybe very human ghost, because you can understand her impulses, even if mm -hmm. you don't trust them. And I, there are definitely points in the book where you're like, oh, I totally sympathize with Michael's feelings <laughs> yeah. and worries about legacy and about, you know, continuity, but also, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, what is going to happen to Megan? <laughs> Well, good. I'm glad that you, I'm glad you sympathized with her because it, like I said, it's very easy to read her just as, you know, the villain in the Margaret Wise Brown story. Um, and as much as I think that is kind of true that she, you know, was, was not a very good influence. She also was a person with her own, you know, wants and needs and inner life. And as a writer, I feel like that's sort of your, your job, although not necessarily your job to take a historical figure and you know, find, <laughs> find their inner life. Um, that's like an extra, extra challenge. But in general, you know, I don't know. That's why I turn to literature is to find out what's going on inside of other people. So 
That is wonderful. All right. Well, I'm going to ask you one non uh, Margaret Wise Brown related book recommendation. What's yeah. a book? What's Ooh, a book that okay. you keep recommending to other people? A book that I keep recommending to other people. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to go with Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell by Susanna Clark. Oh, uh, yeah. Which is possibly my favorite book ever. And I know Piranesi, uh, which came out either this year or last year, it's her second novel, has been making the rounds. Um, and I, I liked Piranesi, but I just would die for Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. It's so good. It's so, like, it's, it, it walks that line of being spooky and funny and immersive and also sort of philosophical so beautifully. And it builds this whole culture that is both it's both England and not England um and it's something recognizable but also something so foreign and it also is my favorite kind of book which is like that long doorstop novel that you never you know you can just live in it for such a long time and like sit with it and be with it and get to know the characters uh so that would be I I recommend that to everyone um I don't know that it's everyone's cup of tea but I think it's definitely worth trying I love that recommendation. I also love how you are obsessed with characters with the last name Strange. And I think I that's guess a, I am. That oh my is... goodness. I did not even realize that until I <laughs> thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> Thanks for making an episode title well, for this bonus content there's, easy. There's my tattoo. There it is. <laughs> strange across Just my strange. forehead. I love it. Only it only lasts a year. It only, it's only going to be a year, so it's going to be okay. <laughs> I'm worried we you might be stranger longer than that, though. So. <laughs> Where can we find you on the internet, Julia? Um, I My website is uh, julia-fine.com. And then on Twitter, making a fool of myself at uh, <laughs> F-I-N-E-J-U-L-I. Fantastic. Well, I hope everybody picks up the upstairs house if they haven't already. And thank you so much for making time for us today, Julia. Thank you for having me. I guess from the Gilded Age to World War II, uh, but lived in the beginning of the 20th century. Uh sort of begins to haunt her house and insist that she finish her dissertation and write Michael Strange's story down. And it sort of goes from there. And one thing that I absolutely adored about your book, of course, I loved all of the motherhood themes and the postpartum themes, but I love the structure of it. You have these back and forth chapters of the present narrative of Megan and the haunting and, and being a parent. And then we also get these snapshots of sort of back in time, the things she might have been researching or considering from uh, Michael Strange and Margaret Wise Brown's lives. And it's so fascinating. I wanted to hear a little bit about your research process, because on these bonus contents, um, we like to talk to authors about research that they did or books that inspired them during the process of writing their books. So what were some ways that the research came to you? What inspired you? How did the structure come? All those types of things. Ooh, so the structure um, was one of the last things to fall into place for this book. Um, I think I knew it's a very, there are some very intense moments and you sort of are sitting in the first person head of a, you know, new mom with a postpartum mood disorder who's alone with her baby. So it sort of feels claustrophobic. It's really hard. So I knew I needed something in between those sections that would sort of break us out and the reader could sort of take a breath um, before you came back into this, you know, very, um, very closed off sort of horror story. And so I knew I wanted um, to have 
scenes from Margaret Wise Brown's life. Um, and I only really figured out that I could use sort of a, di a dissertation to do that uh, late in the game. I, I'm the kind of writer who does a lot of research sort of before and as I begin to write. And ideally, everyone who reads my books would also do the exact same research. And so I could say, you know, I could say, here, read this biography of Margaret Wise Brown and then read my book and you'll get it. But you can't you can't assign homework um, for, for your readers, sadly. Uh, and so what I what I hit upon was that instead of sort of hearing Megan describe her dissertation and having these weird sort of interstitial factual elements, I could just sort of plop pieces of Megan's dissertation down um, into the book. And so it opens, as it starts, you get sort of snippets of the dissertation that sort of prepare you for what you're going to need to know once Margaret Wise Brown and Michael Strange enter the book about 50 pages in. Um, and then it sort of jumps just to my sort of imaginings based on a lot of research of uh, Margaret Wise Brown and Michael Strange's experiences in their lives. And that is all from Margaret's point of view. And then by the end, we're back to the actual dissertation. Uh, but it's sort of a blend of that very academic dissertation from the beginning and these more fantastical um, historical fiction elements. And so I I had so much fun writing them. I, I think it's a little confusing, but it's as Megan, the narrator, is going through. I mean, I have a whole plan for... So if tattoos only lasted one year, what would you get off the top of your head? Um, but... <laughs> Thanks for listening to Blind Date with a Book. Our show is produced and co-hosted by Kristen Evans, Rachel Mance McKenney, and Elena Nicolau. Our showrunner is Rachel Mance McKenney, and our sound editor is Elena Nicolau. Kristen Evans handles web design and newsletter production. Our theme music was written by Alex Bozzi, and our logo was designed by Chelsea Hill. If you like today's show, please subscribe, rate, and review Blind Date with a Book on Apple Podcasts. Ratings make it even easier for other listeners to find us and join the fun. We'll be back in two weeks with a new guest and more books to recommend. Until then, we hope you're falling for the next book on your TBR pile, whatever it might be.